Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sam. One night, my stepdad came home out of breath. Turn off the lights. They were following me, but I got rid of them. They can't find out where I live or else I'm done for. I turned off all the lights. My mom screamed, what's going on? Who are you running away from? Have you been gambling again? My stepdad shut her up by saying, keep your voice down. They'll hear you. These men are armed. Trust me, you don't want them to find me. He waited anxiously all night in the dark, listening to the sounds outside. Whenever a car passed by, our hearts started pounding. I'd never been so scared in my life. My stepdad Keith has a gambling problem. As usual, he lost all the money he had on him. Then he borrowed more money from the casino. He gambled that away as well. The owner of the casino said, You have one week. If you don't pay, you'll owe me twice as much. My stepdad couldn't pay it back. Months passed by. His debt kept going up. Eventually, the owner of the casino decided to take matters into his own hands. My dad died when I was 10. My mom was really lonely after that. She needed someone she could share her life with. She met Keith last year, but... I knew he wasn't a good person the first time I saw him. I begged my mom not to marry him, but she wouldn't listen. She married him too quickly. And even though the marriage is failing, she still puts up with him because she's too scared of being alone. The next morning, I had to go to school because I had an important exam. I hadn't gotten enough sleep and I was feeling awful. During the exam, I put my head on the desk and fell asleep for a while. My teacher noticed and asked, What's going on, Sam? Are you sick? After the exam, my best friend Pete came to chat. You don't look good, bro. What's up? He said. I told him what happened the night before. He was concerned. This is really serious. In movies, when bad guys want to scare people who owe them, they say, if you don't pay, you won't see your family again. So it's not your stepdad who's in real danger. It's you and your mom, he said. Pete was right. It's impossible for him to come up with all that money to pay the guys. I need to protect my mom from them. But... I don't know how I'm going to do that, I replied. Pete smiled. I owe you a lot. Now it's time for me to help you out. We're going to my place after school. I only need you to promise me one thing. Everything you'll find out will stay a secret between us. Deal? I was really intrigued. I nodded. Of course. You can trust me, I said. 
You might be wondering why Pete said, I owe you a lot. So let me tell you. Pete came to our school at the beginning of the year. Just like every other school, we've got bullies. They started picking on him because Pete was so short. They'd shout, Midget! Whenever they saw him, Pete couldn't say anything back because he was afraid of them. We had just met. Once, they started picking on Pete while I was with him. But I taught those bullies a lesson that day. From then on, they kept away from us. Afterward, Pete always felt like he owed me. But I didn't expect anything in return since he was my friend. I'd never been to Pete's house. Which bus goes to your place, I asked. He smiled. We're not taking the bus. You're going to learn a lot of things about me today, he said. We walked three blocks until we stopped at a corner and started waiting. A gigantic SUV showed up and parked in front of us. The driver got off and opened the door. I got into the SUV. Turns out Pete's family was beyond rich. Why do you go to public school if you're so well off, I asked. Because my parents were worried that I'd be a spoiled little brat if I were friends with rich kids, Pete said. That's why they wanted me to go to public school. I agreed, so I played along. After a while, we arrived at a huge mansion. There were security guards everywhere. Pete said, My parents are traveling for work. Normally, I can't have friends over. Come on, I want to show you some wild Ooh. stuff. You wouldn't believe me if I told you about all this. That's why I wanted you to see them for yourself. The mansion looked amazing. I still couldn't process the fact that my best friend was so rich. How do you make so much money? What did his father do for a living? Still stunned by the grandeur of Pete's house, he led me out the back door. There were lots of trees in the garden. Pete pointed to one of the trees. I looked at the tree he was gesturing towards, but I didn't get it. Pete <laughs> laughed out loud. Bro, look a little closer. Notice anything strange about these trees? I looked at the tree again. What? No way! That's impossible! I screamed. What I thought were leaves turned out to be money. As I moved in closer, I realized that they were all $100 bills. Then I looked at the other trees. They were full of money, too. I turned to Pete and said, You're not pranking me, are you? Of course not! These are money trees, he said. These trees are the source of my family's fortune. More specifically, the leaves we pick from them, he replied. Soon after, we went to Pete's room. I couldn't help but start yelling in excitement. This is all at once the most ridiculous, unbelievable, and miraculous thing I've ever seen in my life. Pete said, actually, if you look at it, it's not a miracle. It's science. My dad's a botanist. He worked on this crazy project for 12 years and finally succeeded in engineering trees that can grow money. Then he took out a box. Inside were things that looked like nuts but they were green in color. He took one out and offered it to me. What you're holding in your hand is a money plant seed. It grows up to six feet in only 10 days and yields $201 bills. You can think of the bills like fruit. If you don't pick the fruit, they'll ripen. In 10 more days, $1 bills become $10 bills. Once 30 days pass, $10 bills mature to $100 bills. After harvesting all the bills in the tree at full maturity, you'll have $20,000. Then the cycle starts again. 10 days later, you get $1 bills. 20 days, you get $10 bills. 30 days, you get $100 bills, and so on. The numbers may sound confusing, but all you really need to remember is you can get $20,000 a month from one tree. That adds up to $240,000 a year. I was listening to him in shock. If I hadn't just seen the money trees, I would have never believed what Pete was telling me. Pete said, 
My dad gives me one money plant seed every birthday. That way I can grow my own money trees in the future. The seed I gave you is yours now. You can pay off your stepdad's debt with it. And thanks to the money tree, you can live all your life without worrying about money. I was so excited. This was such a big gift. I hugged Pete. I will never, ever forget this. I could never even dream to repay you, I told him. Pete's driver was going to drop me off at home. I said goodbye to my friend and got in the SUV. On the way, I started thinking about what I needed to do. First of all, I decided not to mention the money tree to my stepdad. If I told him, he wouldn't believe me anyway. But should I tell my mom? It made more sense to hide it from her as well for now. Maybe I can tell her down the line. My priority was to grow the tree and pay off my stepdad's debt with the first crop. When I came home, I found my mom and stepdad fighting. What difference does it make if you sell the furniture, my mom said. You're saying you owe them $10,000. You couldn't even get $1,000 for everything here. If we make $1,000 selling off the furniture, my stepdad shouted back, then the amount I owe goes down to $9,000. This is our problem. Everyone needs to chip in. Then he turned to me. Sam, you can't cruise anymore. You're going to quit school and start working. His tone grew more intense. You will give me every penny you make. I glowered back at him. I'll pay off your debt, I said coldly. But you need to ask for more time. Convince them to wait for one more month. Tell them that if they agree, you'll give them double. $20,000 instead of ten. My stepdad didn't take me seriously. What the heck are you on, kid? How are you going to come up with $20,000 in a month? He screamed. What else you got? I responded calmly, holding my ground. Besides, I'm not doing this for you, but for mom. He stared at me. He didn't believe me, but he obviously needed more time anyway. Okay, I'll go and talk to the guys. But if we can't put together $20,000 by next month, it's over. You will have to say goodbye to your mom. I went to my room without a word. Now I could see the real extent of Pete's generosity. Thanks to him, not only could I pay the debt, but I would also never have to work again in my life. After everyone went to sleep, I snuck out to the backyard. There was a gap between the tall garden fence and the house itself. I was sure that no one had been there in years. It was completely out of sight. I could grow the money tree here without anybody noticing. I turned on my phone's flashlight to find a good spot and planted the seed. Now, all I needed was time. The next night, I waited for everyone to fall asleep. I went down to check the tree. There was nothing. I was so stressed. I really wanted everything to go as planned. When I checked again in a week, I was so excited to see the little plant coming out of the seed. I took a picture and sent it to Pete. He immediately replied, Congrats, bro. You're the proud owner of a money tree now. That night, I dreamed of swimming in a pool of money until the morning. When I woke up the next morning, I had a huge smile on my face. When the 10 days were up, I was incredibly psyched. After making sure my mom and my stepdad were sleeping, I went out to the garden. When I turned on my phone's flashlight, the tree was illuminated. I almost screamed with joy. Just like Pete said, there was a lot of $1 bills on the tree. I was so happy that I couldn't stand still. I started dancing as if there was music playing. Just about then, I heard a noise behind me. What are you up to? I've been watching you for days. What are you so happy about? When I turned back, I saw my stepdad. I was shocked. I opened my mouth but couldn't speak. My stepdad was holding a big flashlight. He held it up to the tree. What's this? Why did you stick all this money on this tree? 
Then he lifted his hand up and grabbed one of the dollars. First, he looked at the tree, then to the money, and finally to me. He was wild-eyed. Is money growing on this tree? You better have an explanation for this. Tell me what's going on, he screamed. He had caught me off guard. I was in no shape to lie to him. Yes, this is a money tree. Don't pick from it anymore. It's only been 10 days since I planted it. That's why you see those $1 bills on the tree. In 10 more days, those $1 bills will become $10 bills. In 20 days, they will all turn into $100 bills. You can then pay off your debt with the $20,000 we'll end up harvesting in total. My stepdad Keith was looking at me in disbelief. Where did you get this seed? I can't tell you that, but know that we only have this one seed. This is our only chance to pay off your debt, I replied. Keith looked at the money on the tree. His eyes lit up. This is my house. So this is my tree, too. He paused for a tense moment. I'll wait ten days. We'll see if those ones on my tree turn to tens. If you're lying to me, boy, both you and your mom are out of my house for good. I could only imagine the evil things my stepdad was capable of. I had no choice but to go along with whatever he said. The next day, I told my mom what happened. Naturally, she didn't believe me. I went to the backyard to show her the money tree. My stepdad was there, sitting in a camp chair, drunk with happiness and greed, watching the tree. He stood up when he saw us. Looks like dreams do come true. I just hope I never wake up. This tree is going to make me a wealthy man. <laughs> he said, laughing out loud. Ten days passed. When I woke up that morning, I was so excited that I jumped out of bed. When I went to look at the tree, I was shocked. The $1 bills should have transformed into $10 bills. But there was no money on the money tree at all. I ran inside. My stepdad <laughs> sat counting all the money he'd collected from the tree on the kitchen table. He was in a good mood. You were right. I picked 199 $10 bills. He said, holding a single bill up to the light. Look at this. I still can't believe this grew on a tree. I was so mad at him. Why did you harvest them before they turned into $100 bills? He carefully collected a fat stack of bills and stuffed them in a small pocket of his satchel. There's something I need to do, and I needed some money to be able to do it. So I got some from my tree. It'll grow more anyway. <laughs> I still couldn't figure out what he was planning to do. Didn't the casino boss give you only a month? How are you going to pay off your debt to them now? The pocket in my stepdad's bag bulged crudely, barely holding the wad of money inside. What is this, an interrogation? He snapped. Enough! It's my tree! I can harvest my money whenever I want! I don't need your permission! His shouts echoed through the kitchen as he stormed off. He obviously had a plan, and that's why he'd collected the money so early. I knew Keith wasn't stupid. He was definitely after something, but I couldn't figure out what that was. I decided that I had to talk to Pete at once. When I called Pete, he was just as shocked that my stepdad had harvested the bills too soon. Bro, do you want to come to my place? I'm sending the driver over now. There was something that I was hesitant to do before, but I think now's the time to do it, he said. I realized what Pete had meant when I arrived at his family's estate. He was waiting for me at his doorstep, accompanied by someone I had never met before. The guy next to him smiled and held out his hand. Very nice to meet you, young man. I'm Pete's dad. My son always talks about you. But I didn't know he'd given you a money tree hmm? seed. The news from Pete this morning was quite a surprise, to be honest. Meanwhile, Pete was staring at his feet, a guilty look on his face. Pete's dad gestured towards the door. Pete rushed inside and I followed. 
After a long walk through several spacious rooms, we arrived in a grand hall. Pete's dad told us to sit. The tension hung heavily in the room. Pete's dad took a deep breath. The money trees were supposed to stay a secret. I'll be honest, I'm very disappointed by my son's actions. On the other hand, I'm aware of how much he cares for you. As you can see, Pete takes after me. I was often bullied at school for my short stature as well. Unfortunately, I didn't have a friend like you who could have protected me. So I understand Pete's motive. If I were in his shoes, I would have wanted to help my best friend too. Pete was relieved. He looked at his dad with a smile on his face. A smile his dad returned. Pete's dad continued, worry in his voice. If that were the only issue, everything would be fine. But regrettably, it sounds like things got out of hand. I'm sure your mother also means well, so I trust her. However, the fact that your stepdad knows about the money tree is a huge problem, so I have an idea to fix it. The staff here knows about the money trees, but they've each signed a non-disclosure agreement which prevents them from talking about it. I'm going to offer your stepdad $10 million in exchange for your money tree, on the condition that he signs the same agreement. Will you please take me to him? Pete's dad had found a reasonable solution. That amount was far more than Keith could ever harvest from a single money tree in his remaining lifetime. We got in the car and drove off. When we made it to our house, we were in for a surprise. Inside, we found my mom crying. She held me close. Between sobs, she managed to say, Sam, your stepdad left. I don't care about that, but he took the money tree with him. I didn't get it. We went out to the backyard. There was a huge hole where the tree had been. Pete's dad asked, Please tell us what happened. This was my mom's first time meeting Pete's dad. She looked at me hesitantly. Mom, you can tell him everything. Pete's dad created the money trees, I said, reassuring her. I was at work. Our next-door neighbor called upset about the noise coming from our backyard. I figured something was up, so I immediately came home. Keith had the tree removed with a backhoe. They were loading it into the truck bed when I arrived. I asked him what he was doing. We're done, he shouted. Don't look for me. To hell with you then, I shouted back. But that tree doesn't belong to you. It belongs to Sam. You can't just take it away. But he didn't listen. I'm so upset that I couldn't stop him. Sam was right all along. I never should have married that man. It finally made sense why Keith had harvested the money so soon. He needed it to move the tree somewhere else. More importantly, it would have been impossible for him to transport a tree full of bills, not if he wanted to keep it hidden. I turned to Pete's dad. What do we do now, I asked. Pete and his dad looked at each other for a few moments and burst out <laughs> laughing. My mom and I were flabbergasted. We had no idea what was so funny. <laughs> we don't need to do anything, Pete's dad said. It seems as though your stepdad has resolved the problem all by himself. When he realized we had no clue what he was saying, he began to explain. A money plant seed can only grow where it's planted. You can't transplant it. It's an issue I'm still working on, I simply can't figure out. If you disturb the seed, even a day after planting, the tree stops developing. Your stepdad is in for a real disappointment. That tree will never grow bills again. It's not a money tree anymore. It may as well be a husk of driftwood. That explains the laughter, I said. But he can still tell people that it was a money tree. Wouldn't that be a problem for you? Pete's dad put his hand on my shoulder. No problem at all, because no one would ever believe him. 
Would you have believed that a money tree existed if you hadn't seen it for yourself? If your stepdad tells anyone that the tree had once been full of bills, I can assure you that they'd laugh harder than us. Then he turned to my mom. I'm sure your husband will come back here once he figures out the tree is not growing any money. You can come with us if you like. Our home is certainly big enough. My wife will be happy to host the two of you, he said. We stayed with Pete and his family for a while until Pete's dad bought a house and gifted us two money tree seeds. We've been harvesting $40,000 from our money trees every month. I'm a millionaire now, and I owe this to my dear friend Pete. We hadn't heard from my stepdad since. We'd forgotten about him until one night I randomly came across him on the TV. The police had busted an illegal gambling ring. Keith was one of several witnesses. One of the reporters held a mic to Keith and asked him what he was doing at the casino. I owed a pretty big debt to the owner. When I couldn't come up with it, I was forced to work with him for 10 years. I've been a janitor here ever since then, he replied. It turns out all this time he'd been paying off his debt to the mob by working as a custodian. To be honest, I didn't feel sorry for him. Keith was a victim of his own greed, responsible and deserving of everything that happened to him. I couldn't believe my luck. I stood there in the middle of mopping the office floors, staring at the bulletin board. My name's Grant, and the company I worked for was holding a raffle for an all-expenses-paid trip to a super-exclusive private island in the Philippines. You won, Grant! You won! Everyone was clapping and cheering for me, except one. The office manager. She was livid. She strutted to me took the mop from my hands, broke it on her knee, and kicked my mop bucket, spilling all the dirty mop water all over the place. How dare you disobey my orders? Didn't I tell you all to sign my name on your entries for the raffle? I had always wanted to travel, but I've always been too poor to do so. Never even been to another state. And now... I was going on my first ever trip on a plane. In first class. I was so glad I didn't give in to our manager's demands to write her name on the raffle ticket I got. Otherwise, she would have won that trip. And she would have rubbed it all in our faces. Sheila slapped me and glared at me. Now, do your job and clean up all this mess. But then, the CEO's office door opened. What's all this commotion? This dumb janitor spilled all the mop water everywhere. You should fire him, boss. He's useless. Uh, that's not true. She broke the janitor's mop and slapped him because she's mad she didn't win the raffle. That's right, boss. She made us all sign her name on our raffle tickets so she'd win. And now that she didn't, She's taking it out on Grant. She's been terrorizing us this whole time, boss. Sheila's face was one of unimaginable rage. Nobody had ever stood up to her like that before. But now, somehow the office was done with her being a total prick. Uh, that's not true, boss. I would never do something like that. Her lie was easily disproved when the CEO took the box where they put all the raffle entries and discovered that a lot of the names are just Sheila's. She begged the CEO not to fire her, and she didn't. Our CEO 
instead demoted her to being the janitor. And she promoted me as a clerk. I was so happy. Finally, my life was turning around. Everyone congratulated me on winning the trip, and they were all there to see me off at the airport. First class was even more luxurious than I had imagined. The pretty flight attendant brought me everything I wanted and even tucked me in to sleep with the warmest, most comfortable blanket I'd ever been under. Our flight stopped in Dubai, where I got to go shopping for free, courtesy of our company's black card. Our CEO gave me free reign to spend as much as I wanted as an apology for how Sheila treated me. I was scared to spend too much, but I bought my girlfriend a designer bag and a few souvenirs and gifts for my friends back at the office. When I finally landed at our destination island, I was blown away. I never thought how different my small hometown was compared to the rest of the world. There, the sky was so blue, and the water was all different shades of blue and turquoise. It was clearer and cleaner than the tap water I get at home. I got to go on tours and saw turtles and whale sharks and a million different colors of corals and fish. The hotel I was staying at treated me like royalty. I stayed at a suite that was right on the beach. And every morning, I would have breakfast on the sand while employees of the exclusive hotel fanned me with palm leaves and served me in every way. Then... One day, I saw a yacht dock near my beach villa. I was so surprised at the people who came out of the 100-foot super yacht. There were 15 of them, all A-list celebrities, models, and billionaire businessmen. Leading them was Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie, and their family. This happened before they broke up, so they were still all together. One of their friends was a supermodel I recognized. I've had the biggest crush on her ever since I was in high school, and I couldn't believe my luck when she passed by my table on the beach as I was having breakfast, and she smiled right at me. I couldn't help but blush. My waitress leaned in and told me that those guys often ate at the hotel because Brad had a private island close by. Oh, what I wouldn't have given to see that. Although, I was pretty shy, so I never even managed to approach them, even for a selfie. Little did I know, that very night, my wishes would come true. For when I got back to my villa after a scuba diving tour, I saw a girl crying in my bed. Uh, who, who are you? Are you supposed to be here? Uh, oh, oh, I'm... I'm sorry. I was looking for refuge, and I snuck into the nearest room I could find. I'm so... so sorry. You left your door open, so... Oh, my God. Y you're... Adriana! She was crying, and her face was all red. But I would recognize her face anywhere. Why... Yes. How did you know? Everyone knows your name where I come from. Are you kidding? That made her smile. Turned out, even A-list supermodels like her are just like us. They're just people with their own sets of problems and insecurities. Adriana was crying because her father was forcing her to marry one of the businessmen in Brad's party, and she didn't like him at all. 
she was prepared to do anything it took to not be around him. But her father said he would have her tied up and delivered to Roland if she didn't marry him willingly. So, she asked for my help. Now, I didn't know exactly what I was agreeing to, and I didn't know how dangerous that Roland guy was, because as soon as she heard that Adriana was staying in my room, he got me captured by his bodyguards. I was brought to a dark room with only one hanging lamp. He sat me down and gave me two choices. Leave Adriana alone. Never talk to her again. Ignore her. And I will reward you. I can talk to some people. I know the owner of this resort. Have you ever dreamed of living and working in a paradise island like this? Uh, um... Yeah, I guess. But I can't just betray Adriana. We've become friends over the last few days. <laughs> friends? <sighs> oh, please. Adriana would never even talk to a bottom feeder like you. She's just using you. I heard you were a janitor back home. Wouldn't you want to be rich? I can talk to the owner of this resort. I can make you this resort's manager. Walter, give him the bag. The bodyguard slammed a duffel bag on the table. When I saw what was in it, my eyes couldn't hide my surprise. That's one hundred thousand dollars, in addition to your new position as resort manager. I suggest you take my offer, because your second choice won't be as pretty. I know where you live, and I know your mom is sick. What would happen if I make you unable to work ever again? I took Roland's offer. Honestly, I was just so scared. And the money would be more than enough to get my mom the treatment she needed for her sickness. But as soon as I got back to my room to fetch Adriana, I felt a thud and I was out cold. When I woke up, I was in a huge kitchen. There was a priest in front of me and Adriana was smiling beside me. She was marrying me. Oh, good. He's awake. Now let's continue. Grant, do you take Adriana to be your wife? My mind raced. I, I would love nothing else in the world, but... My mom. The money. Roland's threats. No, I, I can't. I... I'm s I'm sorry. Roland, he... Adriana began to cry, and then she ran away. The next day, Roland had already made me into the hotel manager. Roland even called my boss back home to tell her of my new job, and all my co-workers were so happy for me. I didn't know how hard a job it was going to be. I worked day in and day out, 17 hours a day. I was so exhausted all the time that one day, I just passed out. But when I woke up, I wasn't in my office. I woke up in a beach villa ten times more luxurious than the resort. And Adriana was in a corner, sipping tea. I know he got to you. What is it? Did he bribe you? Threaten you? I thought you said you'd help me. He did both. 
I'm sorry. Where are we? I looked out the window and saw the resort was nowhere to be found. I was in a completely different island. I had to take you away. Out of Roland's grasps. What offer did he make you? I told her my situation. My mom's sickness. I'll double what he gave you. And obviously, you should keep the money he gave you. That way, you have 300 grand. I'll send someone to fetch your mom and keep her safe. I have powerful friends too, you know. And if you marry me, Roland will not be able to touch us. That very night, Adriana brought the priest again. And that night, I said yes. We were married on a paradise island in the middle of nowhere under the stars. And it was perfect. But just then, Brad's yacht arrived. The celebrities ran down towards us. They were all worried about Adriana having been missing for many days. Did this man capture you? Someone, call the cops! Adriana just laughed. No, quite the opposite. I captured him. And now we're married! Roland came running down the yacht and grabbed Adriana's arm. How dare you defy me! Get your hands off my wife! Or what? Or... This! I took out my phone and started playing a recording of Roland's voice. Everyone heard his threats. His evil plans. What Roland didn't know is that I learned long ago to record everything every time I was in trouble. And when he captured me, I had everything on tape. Now, I had the power to topple his business empire if I wanted. And his friends have heard how trash he really was. Roland whimpered like a scared dog and ran. He was so embarrassed, he ran to one of the lifeboats and started paddling out of there with his bodyguards. The celebrities, Adriana and I, partied all night on that paradise island to celebrate our wedding. Who would have thought a janitor like me would end up married to a supermodel and having celebrity friends? Ever feel like someone's always watching you? You know the feeling. But when you turn around, nobody's there? Well, I get that feeling all the time. I don't even know when it started. All I know is that I've been starting to notice them when I began working for Elaine. I met her during a job fair. Our high school had a booth, and we were there so that us kids could learn what kinds of careers we could go into in the future. I was a computer whiz, and so I knew I wanted to be in an exciting startup or multi-billion dollar firm in Silicon Valley. I didn't even bother looking at the brochure Elaine gave me when I heard her company was offering a position as a back-end developer for a private investigator agency. I was voted most likely to take over Google, and I guess that went to my head a little. But months later, when I failed to secure a position at all the major companies in Silicon Valley, I was brought low. I guess you could say I was humbled. I didn't know the screening process and the requirements would be that stringent, and I didn't want to disappoint my family and my school, so I was seriously considering going to college even though I didn't want to. But then I realized how much money it would cost, and my parents weren't well off at all. I didn't want to work my whole life paying for student loans either. So after weighing my options, I instead applied for a tiny startup at some guy's basement. 
Their letter arrived the same day that I got a weird envelope from Elaine's private investigator firm. Once again, she offered me a job. She said she had been following my career as an amateur hacker. She must have Googled that I had participated in some hackathons in the state. Uh, I ignored her letter again, and I was about to actually sign my new contract with that startup when I took a glance at Elaine's letter and saw something I didn't even notice. At the very bottom of the letter, she wrote a number. I thought it was a phone number at first, so I didn't even see it. But the reason why it looked like a phone number was because of the amount of zeros. She was offering to pay me five times more than I would make at that startup. My hands began to tremble. I had to dial her number three times because I couldn't stop shaking from nervousness. Uh, hello? Henry, I've been waiting for your call. I'm glad you reached out. Uh, hi, Miss Elaine. I, I think there was an error in the letter you sent me. There seems to be too many zeros on this figure. Elaine laughed, and I only then noticed that she had such a beautiful voice. Oh, no, dear. That's what you'll be making if you work for us. There was no error. I couldn't believe my ears. I had to double check. No, triple check. Uh, are you sure? A and and it it'll be in my contract, right? <laughs> of course, sweetheart. Your contract's already drafted and waiting for you to sign it. I felt like I was floating. I felt like I won the lottery. Uh, when can I start? Come in at nine in the morning tomorrow. We wear ties here, so look sharp. You don't have to bring anything. The company will provide you with whatever you need. Laptops, servers, and however many monitors you want. I, I, I look forward to seeing you, Miss Elaine. Uh, th thank you so much for this, this, this opportunity. Just call me Elaine. I'm only a few years older than you, after all. I didn't get to sleep that night. I tried, but I was buzzing with excitement. It felt like electricity was rushing through my body. When the clock hit seven, I got up, made myself breakfast, and got ready. I brushed my teeth twice, just to make sure, and I made my way to my new office. It was lucky that I decided to leave an hour earlier, because I had no idea where it was. The place was so tucked away in the middle of Chinatown that you wouldn't have guessed that such a fancy place was in there. The door was this tiny gate that didn't even have a sign. I only found out because I saw someone go in with a package that had the same logo as Elaine's letterhead. The gate led to a narrow alley, which led to a staircase, and when I went up, I realized that the agency was on top of the Chinese restaurant that I stood in front of for a good ten minutes. I guess for a private investigator agency, it really fit the bill. Only, you'd have to be an investigator as well if you wanted to find their offices. Elaine introduced me to my new colleagues. It was a small team. There were maybe four investigators, two clerks, an accountant, and me, the tech guy. But for some strange reason, there were always men and women. Some of them dressed in suits, the other wearing anything from mailman uniforms to gardener's outfits. They would all go through that one strange door at the end of the hall. But then I'd never see them come out. Miss Elaine, what's that door? Oh, that? It's not important. It's some other company. And that was the end of that. I sensed that Elaine wasn't going to tell me more, so I didn't press. The company gave me everything I wanted. When I wanted a new server room installed, they tore down an entire office for me and put in the best equipment and climate control that money could buy. Elaine bought me three laptops, all sporting the absolute latest GPUs that weren't even on the market yet. I coded software for the investigators to use. I developed apps for surveillance and communications. I programmed the software for their bugging and camera technologies that they used in the field. 
I was even able to create a program that made it easier for them to track a person's whereabouts without installing a tracker. With my work, Elaine's company was able to easily identify and find missing persons and other people who were on the run. I'm sure I'll get in trouble for saying this, but when we badly needed to find someone, I would hack into the street cameras in the city's CCTV network, and then I would use my very own facial recognition software to quickly rifle through millions of frames to find them. For the nastier persons of interest, I would fish them. Sometimes it'd be an official-looking announcement or someone trying to tell them they'd want something. We got the bad guys every single time. My desk was massive, and I had six monitors. I felt like the real deal. But that was when the strange occurrences began. One time, when I was standing by the water cooler waiting for my turn, the hairs on the back of my neck picked up. I quickly looked behind me and saw that the camera CCTV was staring right at me. I stared into it, confused. I swear that thing's looking at me. Uh, sorry, what? I looked back at the camera, only to find it facing the other direction. I shook my head in confusion. Nothing. I was just imagining things. It didn't stop there, though. There were times when I'd be the only one left in the office, and I'd get that feeling again. The one where you feel someone's looking at you. But when I looked outside the windows, when I checked every room in the office, there was nobody else. One evening, I had to run out of there, because all the cameras in the room began pointing towards me. It was so creepy. But even at home, I didn't feel safe. I would lay awake at night just listening to the noises because I felt like someone was following me. One time, I swear I heard a camera click, but when I looked outside my window, there was nothing. Just an owl sitting on a tree. Some days, I would wear dark sunglasses, wear hats, and the most boring of jackets just to blend into the crowd and avoid someone following me or recognizing me. Once, I could have sworn I caught someone with a camera following me, and that was when I began having my theories. I'd always wondered why I felt so special, why my life was like a movie, like it was all fake. And then I realized it is. My life is probably a movie, and that was why there were cameras following me. Another theory I had was that the government was watching me. It kept me up at night. They probably know that I was hacking into their systems for our company, and I was so scared that they'd one day jump out of the bushes and arrest me. My last theory was a bit more far-fetched, but if it wasn't either of the first two, I thought it would be that. I theorized that I was living in a simulation. It was probably why things felt too easy, and maybe that door at the back of the office was a glitch. People kept going in, but they never came out. And then there was Elaine's office. I knew that glass panel was a two-way mirror. I could tell. So one random day, I decided to find out for myself. What was in her office? Was it just a normal office? Was it a producer's room for my life's movie? Were the government agents hiding there? Or was it just a bunch of wires supporting our simulation life? All I knew is that that secretive room had all the answers. So I got up from my desk and opened the door. My colleagues all stood up at the same time and tried to stop me, but it was too late. In that room was Elaine. There were hundreds of monitors. The largest of them showed my empty desk. There were at least 20 of them showing various areas of my house. One of them was walking through a crowded street. Another was just outside the Chinese restaurant. I, I knew it. They were producing the movie of my life. I was so ready to blurt it out when Elaine panicked and confessed to everything. I... I'm so sorry. 
I brought you here because I have a huge crush on you. I, I wanted to know your every move, but I couldn't bring up the courage to tell you. I've been watching you since we met on that hackathon five years ago. I'm calling the cops. Please, please don't. It's all my fault, but please, I'll lose my job. Finally, I had something to bargain with. I'd wanted to know what that door at the end of the hall was, and Elaine finally confessed. Our agency was fake. The door at the end of the hall was the entrance to a secret government facility. They enter at the door and come out of a tunnel two blocks away. And all this time, I had been working as a spy. No wonder I was earning so much. Elaine was my handler, and after that day, she finally took me through that door. And I became a real spy. Now, Elaine and I work on international cases. I still catch her watching me sometimes, but it doesn't bother me anymore. Especially now that she's my girlfriend. Once upon a time, there lived a boy raised by a horrible, terrible mother who only knew how to make him feel like he didn't deserve anything in the world. That boy grew up to live a life filled with suffering which led him to a path of destruction. But there is hope at the end of the tunnel. Hi, everyone! My name's Axel. My parents fought a lot. Every day. Multiple times a day. It was like being in the middle of a war zone. Only the weapons they use are words. My earliest memory was of hearing my mom shouting at my dad for not being able to afford to buy her a diamond necklace like her friend Sarah's husband. Sarah lived two houses down the street, and mom and her would spend afternoons trying to outdo each other. They acted like they were friends, but really, they were fierce rivals who always tried to outdo each other. My dad tried. He tried to be calm around her, tried to be nice and give her everything. But one day, Mom hit Dad with her fist when he found out she was cheating, and he left without another word. I was ten when Dad left. Apparently, Mom started cheating on him ages ago with Sarah's husband, and she was stealing from the family business. Well, the day my dad left... The family business left with him, and Mom didn't like that one bit. She took that anger out on me. Sometimes she'd starve me on purpose, or she'd leave the house, only returning weeks later. I had to fend for myself early. Boyfriend after boyfriend came and went so quickly into our house that Mom should have just had a revolving door installed. My favorite was Tim. At least he let me keep the change whenever he'd asked me to buy him his drinks at the corner shop. And he didn't push me around like the others. Him and Mom lasted about a month. I grew up with zero self-esteem. Mom always made me feel like I was worthless. If you hadn't been born, your dad would still be here. Now look at us. We're poorer than rats. I was over her crap that week. I was already so tired from doing all the house chores and cooking her every meal that I finally snapped. Dad's gone because of you! You klepto, cheating, gold-digging, slap! Mom left a stinging sensation across my cheek, and when she saw that I was trying my best not to show that I was about to cry, she decked me in the gut and I fell to the floor. She threw me out of the house that day. I didn't have anything but the clothes I was wearing on my back. I was lucky that my best friend Cole's mom was chill and took pity on me, I even joked about wanting to get adopted by a hot mom like her to Cole, and he immediately gave me a quick kick in the knee. It was around that time that I met Haley. I was depressed. I had no home, 
and I was wondering how I could ever make something of myself in the world without a family. But then I met her, and when I met Haley, my dark world suddenly became bright. I woke up every day like it was the best day ever, and whenever she smiled at me, I felt like I could do anything. Thing is, I had no business jumping into relationships. Especially not before dealing with what I got going on. Oh, I was horrible at it. The only people I could model from was my parents, and I thought that was what love looked like. I was... basically a simp. I did everything Haley asked. I gave her whatever she wanted, and when I couldn't give it to her, I felt bad and made myself feel bad. I thought I would never become like my parents. But I unconsciously did anyway. Haley and I fought every day. When we graduated, she spit on my face and broke up with me in front of our classmates. I am so glad I'm moving to Colorado for college. Now this can finally be over. By the way, I only used you so I could copy off of you during exams. You'll never be worthy of me. Or any girl. You'll never be anything. I cried a lot. I'm not ashamed to say it. But Cole and his mom were there for me. But eventually I moved out of there. They told me I was welcome to stay, but I just felt bad just taking from them and never being able to give back anything. So I took my chances and went to Hollywood. Now, I wasn't bad looking, and I was quite tall, so I thought I'd do some modeling. I got a job as a waiter and went to a few auditions. Honestly, I landed my first break out of pure luck. I was just walking to get some milk when some random lady stopped me and handed me her card. That very next day, I was called in to shoot a commercial. I went to Hollywood to try some runaway modeling. It turned out, I was pretty good at acting. So after my first commercial, that same lady who found me became my manager and she helped me book TV gigs. Nothing special, I would usually just be someone in the background. But then, one day one of the actors got sick and they needed a replacement. I immediately volunteered. The director was already frustrated, so he just waved yes. And that was the beginning of an awesome career. I did hit TV shows, movies with the best of the best, and soon enough, I was able to give back to Cole and his mom. I bought them a much nicer house, and I always send them tickets to any of my shows and red carpets. But then, years later, tragedy struck. I was in the middle of giving a press conference for having received my very first award when I got the call that Cole had passed away. He had a heart attack, and he was so young. I couldn't eat or sleep for days. I flew home and helped Cole's mom get through it. But when I flew back, I felt like I couldn't deal with it myself. I was just going through the motions, smiling for the cameras, waving to people. But inside, I felt dead. Until I saw Violet. She was crying, waving her hand so desperately at me, wanting me to sign her autograph. And you know what? When I saw her, it was like the sun was shining on me. The world stopped. I never felt like that in a very long time, so I invited her back to my hotel. And we fell in love with each other instantly. Violet was probably the most beautiful girl in the world. And the world agreed. We were the cover story of every tabloid and entertainment magazine for weeks. They were all talking about our mysterious whirlwind romance. 
Violet was there for me. She helped me get through my grief, and she made the world a happy place again. I spent every free moment I had with her. I visited her family, and I even became pretty good friends with her sister who turned out was obsessed with the same video game as I was. We bonded a lot through that. While Violet was out shopping with my bodyguard, Kelly and I would spend hours just playing on the PlayStation. I felt happy. I found somewhere I belonged again. With Violet as the woman of my dreams, and Kelly as the sister I never had. The only problem was... Maybe Violet was too beautiful? Or, as Kelly put it, too much of a flirt. Every job I had, as soon as they saw what my girlfriend looked like, the director would fire me. And then they tried to take Violet out. A couple of them even offered her jobs, giving her roles in their movies just so she'd go on dates with them. And I... I felt powerless. She said if I loved her, I would let her do what she wants. She said if I loved her, that I would be happy for her. That I'd be happy that she was getting her own break. I know it was wrong, but I let her bully me into believing that she just wanted what I had. And that she was not, in fact, using me to get her own fame. I loved her so much that I let her walk all over me. One day, she tried to end my career. She called me before I saw the news, telling me that she only did it so that there'd be a buzz around us and her new movie would sell lots of tickets. But when I saw what she'd said about me, I couldn't believe my eyes. In minutes, there were dozens of paparazzi outside my door. I couldn't even go out and get my postmate. Kelly had to literally muscle her way through a bunch of reporters and deliver my food through the back. The next day, the police came and arrested me. I got bailed out, of course. But my career was over. The movies I was working on dropped me. I was blacklisted from clubs and received every hate mail imaginable. Everywhere I went, people asked me the same question. Axel! Axel, over here! Why did you hit her, Axel? I did not hit her! I did not! Yeah, Violet told everyone I hit her. Sure, we fought a lot. Mainly because I would get jealous when I saw her sitting on some gross producer's lap. I never, ever laid a hand on her. That's what I told the judge during the trial. Not a lot of people believed me. Not even my own lawyer. But then, one day, a miracle happened. The people I loved stood up for me. As Violet was telling an elaborate lie about the night I supposedly hit her, my camp called out a witness they were never expecting. Violet's sister. Kelly defied her own sister and told everyone the truth. That, in fact, it was Violet who was always hitting me. That the same night she had given me a black eye just because I told her that I didn't want to be with her anymore if she would keep going out with directors and producers. Kelly told everyone how she witnessed Violet on multiple occasions punching me in the gut when her temper rose up. And then, several other witnesses said the same thing. There were even a couple of producers that Violet had cheated on me with who took to the stand. They all said the same thing. The Violet had, on multiple occasions, beat them up. I won that trial, and finally my name was clean again. People who accused me apologized, and Violet was sent to jail for what she did. Now, her career is over, and mine is back on track. And what's more is that I realized there was one person who truly loved me the way love is supposed to be like, and I kicked myself for not seeing it sooner. Kelly, her sister... I took it slow with her, and eventually, I proposed. 
Now we live a happy life. Three kids and counting. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.